my name is Sojourner. My pronouns are she, her, and I am an international social worker by profession and a travel blogger, vlogger, writer, all things content creator by passion. I started my platform Sojourneys back when I studied abroad in 2015 in Granada, Spain, and it's kind of just spiraled since then. Now I curate travel education and inspiration for travelers who want to plan intentionally, travel responsibly, and live vicariously through themselves and I do that in a few different ways. I share a lot of tips on how to pursue fellowships or internships abroad for the career-driven international career travelers but also I offer tips on how to plan your trip with itineraries and foodie guides and my latest series is called Let's Unpack That. It's a travel education series where I unpack topics such as travel privileges like language privilege, currency privilege, accessibility privilege, all of those types of things and other social issues and hot topics in travel like volunteerism and the white savior complex so it blends a little bit of everything that I love all into one platform Hi everyone, you're listening to Oh My Travel Podcast. I'm your host, Janine, aka La Wild Explorer, and I'm here today with our producer, Martha. Hey everyone, welcome back. Uh, Martha and I are joined by a very special guest. We have Sojourner White of the Sojourneys, and we are so excited to have you, Sojourner. Um, please introduce yourself to our audience. I we love you and we want to hear more about you and I know our audience does as well. Yes, well, thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Sojourner. Awesome, and that's amazing. I, I love what you're doing with your platform um, and we'll dive more into that. So Martha and I are going to break into our, um, our fun this or that uh, segment. So I'm just going to give you like random this or that and then you just pick whatever comes to mind no <laughs> oh okay I'm excited all right so this or that spring or fall spring all right live alone or study abroad study like, abroad live, live abroad or study abroad I'm like live alone <laughs> ah got you oh live abroad I have more money <laughs> um hotels or hostels Hostels. Rooftop drinks or poolside drinks? Ooh. You want to combine them, don't you? I do. I do. <laughs> I do. But I'll do I'll do rooftop for right now. Why rooftop? The views, Honestly, right? Yeah, it's the views. Like with like the the poolside, I gotta put on a swimsuit. Like I can go to a rooftop like casually. But like going poolside requires a lot more thought and preparation, I think, on my end. Mm. So it's more of a personal thing. Okay. But, it's, but, it, but it's, it's really the views. I, I love a good sunset or a sunrise, depending mm-hmm. upon how long we're at the rooftop. I don't with know. The, with, with the drink, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. I love it. All right. Prepper trips or spur of the moment? Prepper trips. <laughs> Uh, South America or Asia? I haven't been to either. Oh, but I'll say South America. All right, Where in all South right. America do you want to hit up first? Uh, Brazil. Brazil Ooh, is top uh, on my list. Um, Salvador de Bahia is definitely been on my bucket list, but I, I would say Colombia is a very close second. I love it. I love it. All right. Uh, girls trip or romantic getaway? Girls trip. Yes. Because yes, depending on the shenanigans, you could have both. I'm just <laughs> gonna put it out right. there. This is true. A girls trip ends up a little a little romantic getaway, maybe for, <laughs> for the whole weekend or just for a couple nights. Right. <laughs> All right. Cake or pie? Cake. And last backpack or carry-on backpack all right I love it you're Janine's type of girl (laughs) (laughs) all right so Sojourner you have a really cool um 
IGTV series called Let's Unpack That. Do you want to kind of talk a little bit about that and like how you, I don't know how you like just started that series and, and you know, the story behind it? Yes. So let that I call, it kind of sounds bad, but my pandemic baby, because in the sense of it's really a passion project that came out of the pandemic and me not traveling. So I graduated with my master's in international social work last March, which we all, or last May, sorry. And last March, we all know that the coronavirus hit the U.S., things shut down. So a lot of the international jobs I was looking at where I would have been facilitating conversations around the topics I do for Let's Unpack That pretty much don't exist at this point, or I don't know when they're going to come back. And so it was kind of like an outlet. I had been in my master's program where I studied domestic development in the U.S., but also international development. And if you're familiar, it it has some issues, let's just say, like the way the international development is set up. And I was learning about all these different theories and practices, and I saw that it also affected tourism. And so I kind of took what I learned in my master's program and spun it to be or to have a more travel focus. And that's really how Let's Unpack That came to me. Honestly, I'm like, I told my brother, like, I have this idea. I don't know what it is, but I think I should do it. And I just started listing all of the different things. I'm a social worker, right? And so we talk about racism or um, gender issues and accessibility to services. But what does all of that look like when we talk about travel? And one night I had made a list of all these different topics. And at like 3 a.m., the title Let's Unpack That came to be. And it's kind of been my little side project ever since. My side project within So Journeys, which was also a side project. Um, and it's been great. It's I call it a travel education series because I think it can be a starting point for people who haven't talked about what does their travel privilege or privileges look like when it comes to accessibility or being from the US or another global North country like Canada or any European country? What does it look like to talk about language privilege and speaking English and how has that affected the world and the way we travel? And that's really how it came to be. It was a combination of my professional background with my interest in travel. And I hadn't really found my quote unquote niche, even though I'm a multi-passionate person. I don't think I'll ever fully niche down because I have so many interests, but it's been, it's now, I guess, a, a pillar of my Sojourneys brand community. And I really do enjoy it. It is a lot of work. I'm not gonna lie. It definitely is, but uh, it's something that I'm I'm really excited to do every week. Um, Thank I'm really, you. Yeah, I'm really enjoying it. And I think you talk about like a lot of things that a lot of people don't necessarily want to talk about. Maybe people think it's just like too, I don't know. I don't want to say controversial. It's, it's, it's just mm-hmm. too hard. I feel mm-hmm. like people don't want to examine it because they don't want to it's just like easier for us as like a group of people um to ignore it just because it doesn't affect us and I feel like when you are affected by certain things in travel that's when um you're kind of forced to look at it but I think that we should all make a like make an attempt to really see how travel affects us and affects our you know our destinations And I think just wanting that education um, will be better for everyone, like, to be honest. And I know that that I've made, like, a conscious effort to, like, seek out more knowledge and different perspectives on travel. Um, So I know that that's my journey so far with it, Um, just learning and talking to people that know more than I do, because there are so many people that know more than I do. Exactly. And I think people don't want to admit that. Like we are, as I'll say, as a society, are so scared to admit when we're wrong or we don't understand that two truths can be true at the same time. 
And once we accept that, then we can move on. Like I know, especially when I talk to my fellow Black American friends and we talk about traveling well, and they're like, well, I deserve to have this luxury vacation. It's like, okay, but also you shouldn't be replicating harm in other destinations, right? We should be still maintaining the values that we want in our communities at home when we go abroad. And I think it's really because travel is this luxury thing, it's it's for most people in the sense that I talk about it when it comes to tourism, it is leisure. And when we have to look at how we impact other people, even in a luxurious or a leisurely way, I think it's kind of a learning edge. And it, it takes a time. Like, it's not like I just woke up last year. I was like, oh, I'm going to talk about this. You know, I was in my grad program for two years. I have been traveling like before that too. And so kind of gave me the language and the understanding to break down topics and talk about them in a way that I I hope is more educational than like shaming or educational than saying we need to do all this which yes it will be nice if we all were more conscious um, but I hope it has more of a welcoming atmosphere to say hey join in with me to do what you said Martha and unlearn because all these things you know we we don't know again if you're if you're not affected by it exactly and that actually brings us to our topic today is travel privileges i mean i know as an american i have a ton more travel privileges than you know a lot of other countries um, most other countries right um yeah mm-hmm. and i just wanted to list real quick some of the travel privileges that I found while you know trying to research um for this episode and just off the top of my head I got passport privilege um able-bodied privilege language privilege cisgendered hetero privilege race privilege religion um superficial even with hair makeup um skin things Mm -hmm. like that that we don't take into account when um uh, we travel, um, money, financial security, access to healthcare and Medicare. And I, that is like so many. <laughs> and I know that I am, I definitely have most of these privileges. And just because I have them doesn't mean that they shouldn't be important to me. And I know that you, Sojourner, and you, Janine, you guys have a lot of these privileges as well. And I just wanted to talk about them and just kind of see where we go from here. Absolutely. I think I did the same thing once I started researching because a lot of the travel privileges that I talk about are things I noticed in my travel experiences. So I got started traveling uh, when I studied abroad, which is a whole privilege, right? Um, Even though I know I was in higher ed, I was an undergrad. So that's educational privilege that allowed me uh, to do this. I don't think I would have studied abroad if if my federal, if you're in the US, my federal, like the Pell Grant is how I was able to study abroad because my financial aid covered no matter where I went. And so that was another layer. And then I went, I want a Fulbright fellowship to teach English abroad, which is a whole other thing. But being in that program that is considered, you know, prestigious, elitist, all of these other things really got me thinking about access to travel. And the more I traveled, the more I went from place to place when I met other Black people who had different nationalities and ethnicities than me, the more a lot of my privileges became clear when it came to language privilege and accessibility privilege, especially. And even religion, even though I'm not a super religious person, still like being raised around Christianity shapes how I see the world. And so it's it's a long list. And I think it's it's interesting to being a black woman in the US, like I don't feel the same amount of privileges, but when I go abroad, I know that the context or there are different privileges that affect me more when I'm traveling than when I'm at home in the US. And so that has been another layer to, to unpack, haha, <laughs> because it- Love it. <laughs> Let's because, unpack that. <laughs> yes, exactly. Because it definitely changes. And I think you have to be conscious of those changes or you're, or you're not gonna be able to identify them as much. 
Definitely. When you are abroad, do you feel like, I mean, you mentioned that, you know, you kind of realize your privileges more while traveling. Um, do you feel more privileged abroad? Is there like something, are, are there different things that kind of come out or like you, you realize certain things? I definitely do. I feel more privileged and it's, it's really complicated because I also know like as a black American as a descendant of slaves like my the privileges that I hold right aren't because I'm black like that's not necessarily um why I hold these privileges but it's built off of like slavery and and pain and all of the trauma that goes with that is why people who look like me you know my family why we're even in the U.S. to begin with right and so I think once I reconcile that and I'm still reconciling that and trying to figure out what it means to travel as a Black American woman, I still feel like other privileges definitely impact me more deeply um, that don't necessarily impact me in the U.S. Like, I think someone mentioned passport privilege. Absolutely. <laughs> like, what, what, what I can do with a U.S. passport, well, maybe not as much now, but we know pre-pandemic, <laughs> it was, you know, the country hopping, the, being able to go from place to place, not worrying about visas. Like, that is probably one of my most salient privileges on top of class and being I got hold a master's degree, I'm gainfully employed, all of those other financial things that we normally think about. Um, but even like the language privilege, I don't think about as much in the US. So I don't know if it's that I'm, I think I definitely think is that I'm more privileged, or I'm just more conscious of all of my other privileges when I'm traveling, because I don't have other factors that affect me as much like racism can happen abroad, obviously like being a woman has its challenges when I'm traveling but I just think there are other ones that take precedence to me in a way that makes me feel more privileged when I'm traveling right yeah and I mean we know that not everywhere is gonna feel the same right mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. you know there's countries where you're looked at differently because mm -hmm. of you know your, your skin tone or there's certain countries that you can't openly hold hands with you know your your life partner if, if mm -hmm. you're you know not heterosexual um so it's it's interesting that privilege kind of looks different everywhere you go um I find that we we don't notice the privileges that we have because we have them, mm -hmm. you know, like I don't, I never thought about accessibility because I have been able to access everything. I can walk just fine. I'm not, I'm pretty healthy. So I know that I can do these hikes or these trails or um, do a city tour on a sidewalk or like not even on a sidewalk, sometimes on like dirt roads. Um, so in that sense, the more privilege we have, the less we see it as a privilege because we don't know what it's like to not have these, these nice things, I guess, or to not have any obstacles in front of us to do what we want to do um, when we're abroad. Absolutely. And I think, too, there are other things that I'm fighting in the U.S. a little more actively, if that makes sense. Um, just being here day to day, like my day job, I work with a team of black women um, consultants and we do research and evaluation around what people will call racial equity, but really we're striving for liberation, right? And we're like, do you all even have the culture to cultivate, you know, a racial equity in your spaces? And so I'm fighting against that in my day job. And that is something that I don't actively have to fight against in other countries, not saying that racism doesn't exist in other countries, because we know that's not true. But I think it's also a level of engagement on what affects us. So back to your point, like it, what fully affects us when we're conscious of it and when we're traveling compared to what we have to just deal with in our home countries and our daily lives, too. And I know you you talk about like some resources. Um, I was watching a couple of your um, Let's Unpack That videos. And um, I remember there, there was one video I watched where you recommend a book about race. Mm -hmm. um, 
if there's anyone who kind of wants to know more, you know, they just want more resources, um, are there some books or like websites that you would recommend? Yeah, so, so for Let's Unpack That, I try to always find resources because I don't want my voice to be the only thing that people look to on these issues, especially when I hold a place of privilege in a lot of them. Um, and so I try to include resources that also teach me, but also put language together that I that I can't always do in a 10 minute or less video. So I'm trying to think of what books in particular. I would say a good book that um, is a really kind of like a workbook that makes you journal is this book is Anti-Racist by Tiffany Jewell. It was one of the earlier books that I read that, in, that really included more international examples of like how racism is globally and whatnot. And so that one, I really recommend. I'm looking around my room right now because I have books everywhere I saw uh, all the books in your background <laughs> videos I'm like wow yeah yeah I film a lot of my videos downstairs in my living room my mom she has a whole mantle dedicated to black women uh and so that's normally the mantle that is in the background and then in my that's room, awesome have, yeah I have that and then she has some dedicated to indi indigenous women and our Choctaw heritage as well so I'm trying to I'm literally trying to look around uh hood feminism is a great one actually it's relatively new and I think it also does a great job of unpacking again it is more U.S. centric stats and experiences uh, but those are two that I can think of off the top of my head uh, that I would recommend I'm reading hood feminism right now and it's really good it's very um eye-opening uh when they talk about the equity um mm -hmm. with with um, women of color as opposed to white women so mm -hmm. I recommend that one as well very good mm -hmm. um so so Jenna, how do you think that we can use our travel privileges for good or positive when we're traveling yes this is like the next phase of let's unpack that because I try to include some things in in the video but I definitely want to focus on just different approaches and so one thing that I've been actively thinking about is where my money goes because we know we live in capitalism and so money is a big part of part of our lives and being really conscious about where our funds are going when we're traveling I was reading an article the other week that said 70 to 80 percent of all-inclusive resort money goes back into countries like in the global north so U.S. Canada or the countries that already have a large GDP or type or wealth um, so just doing research on where we're staying and where the money is going I think is one thing especially if we do have currency privilege where our our money is worth more in other destinations um, that's one thing I think too understanding the language that we use. Uh, I know I was reading something else where it was discussing, you know, how we talk about countries that are in the U.S. and Europe as like exotic or underrated. And it's like, is it, is it honestly underrated or is it just that we prioritize white countries over other destinations? And so really looking at where I travel to, especially as someone who started traveling Europe, which is a destination I love. Like I, I definitely have my favorite European cities. But when you look at lists that are like the top, like the happiest places in the world are all in Europe. Like how, how'd I work? And so just looking at the language that is used to describe destinations and how destinations are categorized too, because that also impacts what is accessible to travelers. I've also been trying to understand what decolonizing travel is like or what that actually means because people have come to me and said, you know, let's unpack that as decolonizing travel. And I, I personally don't think it's there yet. I think these are topics all related to it, but I think decolonize has become a very popular word in recent months, especially. And so I'm doing some personal research uh, on, you know, what does that look like for real? Because just saying like decolonize, that's like a big word to me. And so 
doing research on destinations on if there are travel guides that talk about decolonizing destinations what does that look like to different to different countries that have that have a lot of tourism as well wow yeah I guess I I don't know I never really thought about like where we go and kind of like how that affects us and it's, it's interesting how you're like a lot of these like happy countries or however they like to categorize it are European countries. And then I guess on the flip side of that, when you're trying to, you know, book a vacation or, you know, you're looking, maybe you're trying to find like a flight deal. What I've always noticed is that at least from the U.S., and I mean, I live in Los Angeles, so I'm right next to a major airport. But all of the cheaper flights are are to Europe. And mm-hmm. I mean, so do people end up going to Europe because it's more accessible? Or is mm-hmm. it, you know, that it's just kind of painted as, well, these are the top places to go. And I mean, there's, I think there's a lot that goes into that. But it's, it is interesting because I, I do love going to more, you know, I guess what I'd like to say more off the beaten path, maybe it's somewhere where you see less Americans. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a good example of that is when Cuba was open to Americans, what was it back in like 2015? Yeah. And you would see just like a bunch of Americans starting to go there, you know, on your Instagram feed or whatnot. But it had been like a hot spot, like, for European tourists. So um, I know I'm like totally going off on a tangent. I'm just thinking about all these things. Cause I think once you start like talking about one topic, you're just like, okay, well there's this and that. Um, but anyway. Um... No, that's, that's great. No, I mean, that's literally how Let's Unpack That started. I was, I mean, we're in a pandemic. I'm at home a lot thinking, right? Thinking and reading. And so it really is, you think about one thing and then you learn how it's connected to 50, 11 other things. And so it's, it's when you break it down, you're like, dang, so how, how do we decolonize travel? Like, what does that even mean? And so you feel my pain, um, not pain, but but here we are, uh, trying to trying to read and research, and I think talking to each other and just critically thinking about you know the media we consume and what it's telling us. Like I studied abroad in in Spain, I taught English abroad in Spain, I interned abroad in Berlin, so I had I spent so much like most of my travel experiences have been in Europe. So I'm like, what does that mean with the media that I was consuming? Because also the other part of that's that that where a lot of universities have partnerships, right? But then it's like, well, why don't you have partnerships in other parts of the world? Like why, granted, I went to like a mid-sized university, so it wasn't super big. So that's another thing. But also, if you made the effort to connect with these places, how come we don't have, you know, more diversity in the in the places that we travel? So it's, I think for me, it's less about saying, oh, like we can't ever go to a predominantly white country, but it's like, why are we always told to prioritize those countries over other destinations? And that's what I'm currently wrestling with. I I feel you on that. And I think one thing, sorry, Martha, go ahead. No, I was just thinking you brought up a good point to Jenner because you hear people when they do exchange programs, like I did an exchange program in Greece. I did it in London. Um, And you know, I, And I just thought like, what places have I never heard of them doing an exchange program? And I was like, I've never heard anybody say like, I'm going to go study in India for a semester. That's not one that's like always out there, but you see a lot of, a lot of um, Indian people come and, you know, study over here. Mm -hmm. So, or like uh, study abroad in Mexico you don't see like that a whole lot. I mean, it's starting to, but not really. But my cousin had to come over here to do some semesters in like New Mexico. So it's definitely, I guess, not funny, but it's definitely like eye opening. Like we can, you guys can bring people here, but we're not going to send our people there Mm -hmm. because like our education is better than yours, Mm -hmm. but that doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. And it's debatable. 
like all these people who are educated in the U.S., but then we have the issues we have. So it's like, um, exactly. And then when you were saying about um, the language that we're using, we're definitely we've definitely had segments on underrated um, destinations, and it's like, why did we pick that word? And it's because mm-hmm. they don't we don't rate them in other like in other publications, like Guatemala is just not rated anywhere. So would it be underrated or just like, it doesn't make the list on other things. Which, and then it could be both. It could be, does not make the list? And so then it becomes like, it's language is so fascinating, right? Because even, even when you think you're saying the right thing, like in like a few months, it can mean something completely different. So it could be very true. It's underrated because it's not on those lists right and so therefore compared to those lists it is an underrated destination which I also would love to go to Guatemala by the way it's definitely on my list of places uh, to visit but it, it, it makes you think twice about language I think another reason why we'll see a lot of like the you know white European countries on these lists is something to do with safety which safety is subjective mm-hmm. right like mm-hmm. I actually feel more safe in a lot of other countries than my <laughs> own country and um I mean you know as, as a as a woman and you know just in in general with with so many things you know it, it it's it's fascinating because I, I don't think of the U.S. as necessarily safe, but for some reason. Not at all. No, no, right? right. No, right. <laughs> Let's just say what it is. Like, and there's so many countries that, you know, there's something going on, but then, you know, we were recently speaking with um, another one of our guests about like the Middle Eastern, North African countries. And she was talking about how well, there's, there's no conflict in Oman, the country of Oman, but because it's in the Middle East, you're kind of just like, oh, well, it's, it's a Middle Eastern country. It's probably not safe. And I'm not saying that's what everybody thinks. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I would say that the Middle East could kind of get generalized as like, oh, there's, you know, there's something going on there. And, and that's just me speaking as an American who, I mean, I know the media is, isn't a hundred percent right, but it's, you know, we absorb what the media portrays, right? Like it's up to us to kind of like, you know, do our own research and interpret, but overall media is gonna, you know, kind of dictate like what makes those lists, what, what is safe, what, um, you know, and do we want to let our kids go to college abroad in this country? <laughs> you know, it's, it's fascinating. Like, yeah, like, I feel like I'm in this rabbit hole now, right? There's all these yeah. different. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah, no, literally, we, we are unpacking collectively, which is, which I think is, it should, is how it should be. Because I don't think I would be making the videos I'm making if I, one, wasn't traveling with other people with different identities from me, right? And two, even when I was in grad school, just being in an environment uh, where there were a lot of international students and I was in these international development classes and I was one of few like U.S. Americans in this class, in these classes and just unpacking what, like everything that they were saying but also figuring out my own like positionality and all of it, which is something that I'm really passionate about, which is just pretty much just saying, you know, where do I fit? Like, what is my literal position? Like, how is where I am as a black cisgender US American woman with a, you know, blue and gold passport, all of those things, where do I fit in the scheme of all these things that we, we like didn't create right like this wasn't something that we actively were in charge of designing especially like um for black and brown people like it's, this was not um the world that was created for us for even to travel like we we were not the demographics that were encouraged to travel but now that we do like dang what do we do 
<laughs> because a lot of the things that I see people abroad talk about um, tourists doing are things that I've seen in my community of non-Black, primarily white people do uh, to us. And I don't want to replicate the harm. So it's like, ah, like how, like how, how do we go about all of this when it's so interconnected? And yeah, yeah. I mean, how, how do we like, I guess, you know, just talking about it, right? Like mm-hmm. educating ourselves, helping to educate others. Yeah. Um, I mean, you're a great resource. Yeah, I definitely I like I learned so much when I like I had just like first like binge watch maybe like four or five of your <laughs> Let's Unpack That episodes and I'm like oh <laughs> even if you think you like know these things because I'm like okay like I'm familiar with certain terms mm-hmm. but am I really like mm-hmm. you know when you're kind of picking apart like different like POC uh, BIPOC and like all these terms mm-hmm. you, sometimes you kind of hear something and then you know you you don't really you just regurgitate yeah you're just kind of like okay but you know it, it's just interesting like I think t- talking to people and really like just hearing different you know how do they view things like well let's let's actually talk about this let's not you know, it doesn't have to be the elephant in the room. Like, let's be real and, you know, talk about these things. So yeah, I love what you're doing, Sojourner. So please keep at it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. No, I mean, but, but you're like the way you're processing saying how, how that's the same thing I do. And I mean, I think one way I'll just throw out there that I think you know, we can make tourism more sustainable, whatever that means. Or I think the new word is like regenerative, which I don't really know what, me- what that means for real. So I have to research that now. I saw that a few days ago, but I think it's like letting people in the destinations decide how tourism should go, especially when tourism is a big portion of people's like economies, as we're saying with the pandemic, it's like, okay, but how do we make sure the money, because people spend a lot of money traveling and so it's like how do we make sure the money is going back to people and that they're the ones leading the tours and they're the ones getting paid you know and people aren't monopolizing like airbnbs and all this other stuff that that has come with travel too so it's a lot it's a lot and I think I see I'm seeing more and more stories of like social entrepreneurship when it comes to comes to tourism and people taking charge of the tours and what stories are being told in destinations and everything so you know hopefully we get there uh and that we can turn more conversation into like collaboration and action down the road it's just one of those things where you have to connect people across borders in order to do that which is easier said than done Definitely. exactly i thought of just like some things that we could do just to use our privilege in a positive way when we travel. And like you said, um, make sh- making sure that our money stays within the communities because I mean, money is king. Like at the end of the day, not only is our society capitalist, it's like most, it's like <laughs> the world is basically it's like we all are. And it's unfortunate, but since we do have that privilege of being able to afford travel. I definitely think that we can look for tours that are locally run and try to stay away from like the bigger companies. When we Airbnb, I know that a lot of people do that if we don't need that much space. So like Janine goes solo traveling a lot. Um, Get an Airbnb that is just like a room because usually it's family that lives there and they're just, you know, able to rent out this room. So it's not like they're landlords on landlords that have all these properties that are just running out all these spaces and not letting community members live there. But it's a family that has that is able to spare this one space. So that money does go to them. And then just kind of talking with locals and maybe shopping instead of like at the big chains at the smaller locations. 
I think that it's important. Um, I know that I've been doing it lately when I look into a tour, making sure that it has accessibility on it because I don't want to start booking travel with, so say I'm going to go to Valle de Guadalupe and I needed a car because we're going to be drinking. So we need a car to take us from, you know, vineyard to vineyard. And um, there were some car companies that straight up just said they're not accessibility friendly. And I like making sure that I email them and let them know that, hey, they, they lost a potential customer because they're not, they're not looking into ways to be like inclusive. And even though I might not need it, someone else might. So if they get enough emails requesting these services, they might get a van. And mm -hmm. someone can enjoy Valle de Guadalupe in a nice air conditioned van that was, that we wouldn't be able to before. Mm -hmm. And then when more businesses offer these, these uh, services, it brings the price down because it's not, you don't only have to just go to this one place and they can charge whatever you want, whatever they want, because they're the only ones and you're going to have to do it. If when more people offer these services, the prices also level out. So I think that's important to just message about what, what are you guys doing to provide services for someone that's handicapped, someone that's deaf, someone that any number of things. I think that that's important to, to check with because that sucks. I've been like, I've been following a lot of people that are accessibility advocates and I'm just like, wow, I, I don't need that. So I've just ignored it all my life yeah. and I feel horrible about it. To be honest, I beat myself up. It's like that Catholic guilt forever, <laughs> even though I don't go to church. Yeah, no, I feel you yet. Yeah. Accessibility is one thing that I, I follow more disability advocates too, because I'm like, I really I don't, it doesn't affect me, right? And so I need to support their work and, and do what I need to do to educate myself. I think too, when it comes to language privilege, I know I started learning Spanish when I was in the sixth grade and you know, having it has been great for my travels and adventures and stuff. But I think like when you don't know what's going on, that's a real thing. And so anytime that I have a chance to learn some language now, when I interned in Germany, let me tell you, German, whew, that, that was an adventure. Uh, granted, <laughs> granted in Berlin, you can drive off English, which again, language privilege, uh, trying to learn some German was in like, in like a summer was not enough time. Um, but I think just, just taking the extra step to, to learn to learn a few few words phrases if if you're gonna like be out here trying to talk to people and stuff uh and not demanding that people talk to you in English which I have heard is a thing that people like a lot of tourists have done especially it's not out of the country um but in Puerto Rico I've been hearing as of late people have been tours have been demanding that Puerto Ricans speak to them in English which is that's a hundred percent a thing I've seen people get yeah. mad because nobody yeah. speaks English in Mexico and I'm like well what the fuck do you think you are like okay you're <laughs> maybe you first of all English has the U.S. has no official language we're, we're gonna throw that out there but also like why would you demand that someone speak your language and you're in their country no if, if that's how I, I gotta struggle I gotta I'm gonna give me a little I'm a I mean, body language or something to make it work, not just demanding. Like that's yeah. totally disrespectful. So language is something that I'm actively also trying to, especially in destinations where I don't speak the language. Also acknowledging that indigenous languages are also spoken and even the mainstream quote unquote languages that we know, like the romance languages are not the languages that the people in the destinations, whether you're talking about where French is in parts of Africa or Spanish in parts of Latin America, like that's not even the original language either. So it's another layer of, of language privilege too. Yeah. And I don't know if it's me being petty or just because I can't with these people, but there are times, the times that I've been in Mexico, when someone is demanding that someone speak to them in English and they're all riled up, I'm like, oh, I could help you, but I'm not because... <laughs> no like struggle with it yeah like, I don't care like have a fit but yeah. on the opposite end if I'm especially when I am traveling 
if I see someone speaking Spanish that's struggling to communicate with the, the flight attendant or like asking about their ticket, I'm always like, do you need help? I can translate for you and I will help them mm-hmm. 100% because I'm like, yeah. no, you're not going to be mean to this little old man. Like, <laughs> Right, right. No, that's great. I wanted to ask, um, is there anything that you do before a trip to either like prepare for a destination or just something that, um, I mean, that you would even recommend people, people do? Yes. I think I'm more conscious of this now, which is, which is researching where I'm going, not necessarily, you know, like the climate, which is, you know, climate, all that kind of stuff you normally research when you're packing, but just doing a little, a little deeper, uh, now that there's more stuff coming out about what it means to decolonize destinations. I've been looking that up, uh, looking for more local led tours. I think a lot of the times I would just go to like the first place that I saw just out of habit. But now um, that I know like where the money is going, I want to try to do as much research I can beforehand. And then even then, talking to people when I get to the destination like hey I want to do you know this tour is there like a place I can go that's you know more local lit to support it I think doing the due diligence that way is something I'm I'm more conscious of especially now with the pandemic and just I think everyone hopefully I would like to think is being more mindful (laughs) if they are traveling uh right now but that's one thing. I'm trying to think what else I do before I go. Again, learning a little bit of the language, not a lot, depending upon where I'm going, but some key phrases. Uh, I've I've also been trying to diversify who I read and who I follow, like as far as travel bloggers. Um, just doing or reading more blogs from from people who aren't from the U.S. and who are in other destinations that I may be visiting um, because that's the other part of travel writing is like a lot of it isn't written by people in destinations. And so I want to start reading more of their work and learning from their perspective if they have a platform already. Uh, those are three things that I'm, I can think of off the top of my head. Those are all amazing. And I I love that you bring up like researching from people who are actually from the destination, because let me tell you, whenever I see like a, the ultimate guide to visiting Nicaragua and it's, you know, a white American, (laughs) you know, I'm just like, girl, the ultimate what? Like, (laughs) you know, um, And I think a lot of that is like, you know, when you're Googling something, it's whatever ranks, right? Whatever has the SEO, Mm -hmm. but that isn't necessarily like the most resourceful information. Um, But yeah, that you bring up a great point with that. Um, I think sometimes getting that, like doing the research and getting that information is going to require a little bit more digging, but um, I mean, it's gonna, it's knowledge that's gonna go a a longer way. Absolutely. And I think one area of growth for me is sustainable travel. Uh, As someone who studied abroad in Europe and caught all the flights, um, (laughs) trying trying to read more about what it means to travel sustainably. Um, even from my sustainable clothing, I'm trying to see, to make sure that the eco part of my travel is better. That is definitely a work in progress uh, for me as, as someone who, who definitely loves, you know, buy a few new things for, for a trip. I want to refresh my wardrobe and just doing that in a way that has a good impact on the world. <laughs> Love that. Um, so last, we wanted to know what's next. What, what are the goals for, um, let's unpack that. Oh, Janine. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> I'm loving. <laughs> right. I'm loving all of your questions. They're so good. Um, gosh. So let's unpack that. I would like to go into what I call the post pandemic phase or phase two. Um, I would love to do like, let's unpack that on location type, type things. 
where, which I'm trying to figure out how I would do ethically, uh, when you talk about having people on who, because everybody who I've had on on the series thus far, people I'm relatively familiar with, who I've met through virtually through Instagram or have connected with or followed for a while, but I'm trying to think about what it would mean to bring on different voices who aren't like active travelers, people who I just meet along the way, not necessarily travel vlog style, though that is another thing I would like to do with Let's Unpack That, but trying to figure out what it looks like when I'm not in a pandemic, (laughs) when I'm not just at home filming videos as well. I would like long-term, I would love to have like a Let's Unpack That journal or, or travel journal or something uh, like that I'm in the process of I'm doing a few guest lectures at universities so seeing what it will look like to build out a whole let's unpack that travel education curriculum so there's there's a few things I'm dabbling in uh, I don't think the videos will go anywhere because that's that's the home that's the baby um, branching off into YouTube and just trying to do this social media game with you know a little more consciously with 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 more purpose I think is the future of let's unpack that who knows who knows what what it'll bring but that's a little sneak peek of my ideas that I jot down (laughs) that's amazing thank you for sharing that with us yeah we can't wait to see what what you do next because you really are just such a treasure of knowledge and we appreciate you Thank you so much. I love your comments on my things, by the way. I'm like, I know if no one else going to say something, the Oh My Travel podcast is going to come through. <laughs> so I appreciate it. No, of course. We believe in giving people their compliments like right now when it's happening so that they don't get discouraged and stop because I feel like a lot of people, I don't know, like they get, if they don't get instant feedback, they quit. And I feel like we are not in a society and culture that really like gives people props right away. It's like, well, let me see what you do with that. And it's like, no, Mm -hmm. they're doing something right now. Like tell them they're Mm -hmm. doing good. Mm -hmm. It's like, give them them flowers while they're alive. (laughs) Give them their flowers while they're here. Don't wait. (laughs) Don't wait till they can't enjoy them. Do it now. So yeah, I appreciate uh, the support. Thank you. And where can everyone find you? Yes, so I am all over social media. Uh, I'm on Instagram at the Sojourneys because at Sojourneys was taken, unfortunately. But across everything else, it's just Sojourneys, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok now, uh, which has been an experience. I feel old, even though I'm only 26 over there. <laughs> um and my website, so journeys.com, it, it, it'll, I'm going to be revamping it slightly to have some let's unpack that type quizzes on there. If you want to jumpstart your uh, travel education journey, I'm currently working on that behind the scenes now that a bunch of the blog posts are up. So definitely come holler, comment, DM, I'll answer. Amazing. And we'll make sure to link it in our um or description so everyone can check you out. Thank you. Awesome. Well, thank you again. And we'll see everyone next week. Bye. That's our episode for today. Thank you everyone for listening to Oh My Travel Podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Oh My Travel Podcast. You can find Martha at Martha Gets It and myself at La Wild Explorer. Make sure to subscribe, and if you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving us a five-star review because it helps us reach more people, and we really want this community to grow. And if something from this episode really resonated with you, please take a screenshot and tag us. We love hearing from our community, and we'd love to reshare your thoughts from the show. As always, we'll see you next week.